Hey, Jordan, what's up? Hey, Rob. Um, you know, just, just a little bit stressed by this RNC. Did you watch? Yeah, I caught a bit of it. Uh, hey, Ken, Ken, what about you? Did you catch any of the RNC for the last couple of days? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, Jordan. It was pretty stressful. Just like a, a cascade of lies coming from uh, Donald Trump and, and the various speakers. Did not enjoy it. Did not enjoy it one bit. Yeah, I mean... Wait, Donald Trump? Like the the president? Yeah, there was this one moment. I mean, sure, there's there were others, but, you know, one of the things he said was that... Um, Joe Biden's got radical policies on the police, and he wants to defund the police. That's not true. And abolish, and, and abolish the police. That's not true. Yeah. I, I know. He doesn't want to. This is, wants to give them more money. God damn it. We got to issue a correction. Yeah. And just, yeah. And just, I was just really thankful for all the, the fact checkers out there, uh, the various media organizations, mm -hmm. because they were able to put this into the proper mm -hmm. context and inform people correctly when, when Trump said things that like Biden wants to you know, give Americans health care, universal health care. And they were they were on there right away the next day to say, no, that's not true. That is that's a that's false. And because people have to know it's kind of this yeah. post truth era right now. And it's important that uh, there's fact checkers and people that are kind of being the arbiters of truth right now to ensure that when Donald Trump says something like that, that Joe Biden wants to wants to do something like like give people health care just to inform people. No, that's not that's not true. That's false. You know, it's just disgusting. We can't have voters out there thinking that Joe Biden wants to institute universal health care. That, come on. Well, let's get to the point. I see tweets. I've covered Department of Homeland Security a lot. I see people saying um, Joe Biden wants to shut down, dismantle DHS. And uh, again, that's just no. not true. And I hope that the <sighs> uh, spate of polls that came out after the RNC, uh, judging people's response to it, put that into account. Because what if the polling is looking at um, people's response to the RNC and not uh, putting into account the fact checks that came out afterwards to correct to correct them on the record? Um, he doesn't want universal health care. He doesn't want to dismantle DHS. He doesn't want to, you know, cut Pentagon funding. No, none of that stuff. Um, these are all, um, you know, facts matter. Facts matter. Yeah, that's what I'm always saying. It's a common thing we say around here at the office. Absolutely. Or, you know, the Green New Deal. That's another thing. Trump <laughs> Trump, and various Republicans were saying, oh. Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, they want, a, they want a Green New Deal in the face of this like impending uh, ecological breakdown that we're faced with in, in the next decade. And again, not true. Not one word of that is true. If they cared yeah. the slightest bit about the truth, they would know that Nancy Pelosi called it the Green Dream. Yeah. Uh, Just to, completely you know, shit all over the idea. It's not even that they're not going to do it. It's that they have to mock it and make fun of it. Yeah, I wish people knew that. You know, mm -hmm. we're coming in an election. How many people don't know that they um, humiliated everyone that fought for that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very unfortunate stuff. Yeah, this is just a really trying time, I think, for for people like us who just want people to understand Joe Biden's record. And it's just, oh, I think, like, there was another thing that, you know, Trump talked about how um, Biden stands in the way of ending, um, you know, endless wars. And it's just like, no, excuse me, no. sir, please... Please understand that Joe Biden does not have a plan to end endless wars, and the, the foreign policy will stay the same. And I think it's absolutely unconscionable that you would ever claim that Joe Biden wants to end war. 
you know, it'd be great if we just played that clip. We just played that clip of him saying nothing will fundamentally change. You just uh, mm-hmm. drive like a car around like Alex Jones with a megaphone and you're just blaring that everywhere you go. So people can know mm-hmm. the truth. Yeah. And even when you talk mm-hmm. about like the the coups and military interventions, not only is that not going to stop, but it's going to be done in a much more competent, capable way. So the coups and all these these foreign entanglements are going to are going to be even more successful. You see even more of them probably. I wish people were more mm-hmm. aware of this stuff. Yeah, we're not going to have this junior varsity. We're not going to have this junior varsity stuff like the, um, you know, success when Instagram former operator um, trying to trying to invade Venezuela. We're going to have it done by the seals, and it's going to be done competently. Exactly. And um, they're going to know how to target the uh, infrastructure and 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 really take it out. So, um, I mean, at least our listeners know that if they can if they can tell people that they know, uh, you know, these these basic truths, then maybe we'll be on our way to having a civilized society. Yeah, and the, and the coups are going to definitely have this like woke veneer with we can talk about the human rights and things. And you know, Trump hired all these these ghouls from the '80s that are responsible for these human rights atrocities in Central and South America. Uh, none of that's going to be happening under the Biden administration. Uh, all the coups are going to be done much more uh, on the sly with, you know, very progressive seeming, uh, inclusive coups. You know, this is really this is really important mm-hmm. distinction. Well, that's another thing that RNC neglected to mention. I mean, how many of the architects of the Iraq war uh, were in attendance at the DNC? I yeah. mean, we have Colin Powell who, you know, lied to the UN about the existence of yellow cake. I mean, <laughs> it's interesting to me that they left that part out. I mean, that's something voters, um, you know, might <laughs> might be enthusiastic about. Is that war that... What happened to that war anyways? I don't remember. Me neither. No. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, Iraq war. But I think, I think what's... Well, we're, we're all... We're all sharing the same frustration. These lies from the Trump campaign stand to distort Joe Biden's policies and his platforms, his history, his track record, all that kind of stuff. So I think here, here's an idea. So we put all of this in maybe like some, like, a, like a talking points memo for surrogates. We say Joe Biden does not want to defund the police. Trump does. Joe Biden does not stand for the Green New Deal. Joe Biden does not have a health care plan that ensures everybody. All of these things. And we send Thank it out and at the top. Joe Biden is the most progressive candidate for president ever. <laughs> okay, hello. Hello and welcome everybody to The Insurgents. And I'm here with uh, Jordan Ewell and of course... You know him. You love him. He's back again somehow. He, he got past our security detail at Insurgents Global HQ. It's Ken Klippenstein. Hey, folks. <laughs> I see you like, rip, like dangling on a rope like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, like getting into the office, <laughs> like rappelling. And you guys need to pay your security better. They're- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is like uh, it's like the target security guard or something. No, yeah, doesn't seem to be a lot of investment there. We kind of we kind of skimped on the on that whole element. <laughs> but how are you? How are you guys doing? You doing okay? You know, yeah, sure, fine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Should we it's be whatever. worried about like your last couple of responses are not super encouraging in terms of like? Are you okay? Are you okay, man? Everything going all right? No, yeah, not really. But okay. you know, day by day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I know. How about how about you, Ken? How's your how's your mental health doing? Well, I'm starting to question it because I'm I'm doing so well and and things are like going pretty well for me on a like personal level. 
And then I, uh, you know, look at the world and how awful everything is. And so I yeah, that's uh, dangerous. feel like yeah. I should probably feel a lot worse than I do. I don't know why I don't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I feel bad for other people, but things are going all right. Um, so that's the sort of weird disjunct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the other shoe will drop eventually, Ken. So don't uh, don't get too comfortable there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to make sure. You know, I'm going to pin my most. Re- I'm going to pin a, a, a dignified tweet in the event that I pass away. So so you guys um, will have something that yes. you can't can't make fun of me with. Well, we probably still will. <laughs> yeah, me me. We That's will definitely guarantee. meme your death. Insurgents guarantee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that goes without saying. This is a harm reduction yeah. kind of thing. Just <laughs> minimize the thinking, humiliation. Thinking of a good side by side, it's like, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even gonna joke about it. <laughs> I obviously, don't want you to die. <laughs> Just gonna do the thing that everyone's been doing with Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman. This was Ken's last side by side. You know what it'll be? A million, a million likes. You're yeah. gonna, you're, you're gonna doctor a tweet where uh, you, you make it look like I tweeted, um, "COVID isn't real; it's a hoax." And then no one will get the joke and it'll get like a million and it'll be like, <laughs> it'll be like, looks like the chickens came home to roost for Mr. Klippenstein. Oh, well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. Like, <laughs> please, please. And no one me. will get the joke. Right, right. Side by side, one tweet from Ken. Everything's going great and I will never die. And it's side by side. Journalist Ken Klippenstein died this week. Yeah. And someone's like, there's always a tweet. There's always a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah. so kicking things off with jokes about ken dying what else, what else guys? <laughs> that's what that's what the audience wants to hear we got to give people the red meat we're inspired by the rnc you know the, the the we were talking about the differences between the the dnc and the rnc where the democrats are like trying to court these disaffected republican never trumpers and republicans are just like tossing red meat right at the base just like here take take they got the good stuff. <laughs> Everything you want. That's Shoot the protesters. Right Let's doing, go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's what we're doing. We're just giving red meat to the audience, joking about Ken dying. Love it. <laughs> so yeah, it's like the three of us are here. Uh, we don't have like another guest coming on. Uh, we do have a bunch of stuff to talk about. It was a crazy week of of news stories. Um, so what I was thinking was. Uh, why don't we read some reviews of the show before we before we get into the the you know the craziness of the the news week? What do you think about that? Sure, I, I don't think Ken, Ken, I don't think Ken has a right to object. He's not allowed to say anything. Well, as yeah. I said before, um, they haven't been you know read into our fact check at the beginning. So these I just <laughs> want to point out that the reviews will be um, without them yeah. having the benefit of the fact check that we put in. At exactly, the we're gonna have uh-huh. to go and yeah, give some yeah some some bullet points to to make sure that all that is. Uh, <laughs> Accurate, just like a Verit code. Shoot them all a Verit code. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a deep cut! Wow, that Verit feels like very long, a very long time ago, and it was really only a couple of years. But he's had a Verit. political realignment wow. since, which is kind of incredible. I know. Yeah, Peter. Shout out to <laughs> Peter Dow. Um. Okay, so that's what we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna get to the get to the news in just a few minutes. But before we do that, we're gonna jump right into. Another edition of Feedback Corner. (music) 
Okay, so it's Feedback Corner. We're back. We've got a bunch of new reviews. I, think, I don't think we've done it in a week or two, so we've got, we've got a couple of reviews to dive into. We talked about how it, some of this does need to be verified. Often with reviews, as everyone knows, not all the information about who's <laughs> on the show, who hosts it, what it's called, not always accurate. This is the so this is raw real time fact check. Yes. <laughs> it hasn't been processed yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the real shit. The real intel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jordan, do you want to do you want to kick us off with the review? Sure. Um, I love the detergents. It's from <laughs> the detergents is a moderate centrist think tank podcast that focuses on fiscal responsibility and modest proposals. Job and Rorden are great co-hosts and Kenny Clip is my fave, though. I must say, oh, yeah. I don't get why Job is always so upset about feedback corner. I have a podcast and I would be happy to get any kind of reviews. The only reviews I get are from my wife and my mom and they both give it two stars. <laughs> Maybe job can get a little more excited about the great reviews the show gets and they gave it five stars. Okay. What do you well, think about that, one? that was weird. I'm going to give it thumbs down for um, talking about feedback in the feedback. It's a little too self-referential. <laughs> little, little meta, a little postmodern. Yeah. Jorge Luis Borges, get out of here. <laughs> Yeah. And anyway, there there were some inaccuracies in that. The show is not called The Detergents. Um, and also our names were, I believe, mm, no. incorrect as well. Well, actually, he got my nickname right. So there's that. <laughs> it, it seems like it yes. was your guys' names that he got wrong. So um, yeah, I don't it does register. seem like I'm, that, I'm which is another reason that it is frustrating for me. But not that anyone cares, right? You know? <laughs> Maybe we could get a review one time that, like... It, is serious, but I guess that's too much to ask. Okay, so this next review here, it says, Internship Application. Um, and it says, Excellent show, but their HR department is an absolute disaster. I applied to their internship program weeks ago and still did not hear back from them. I am 30 and getting a PhD, so I think I'd be a great fit. So, uh, Mr. Yule and Rousseau, if you read this, please consider my application. I'll pass the mic around in the conference room and pick up your snacks at Tim Hortons. I'll come up with great language elements and elite motifs such as disrupt the police. So good. That will appeal to young libs. I like that, actually. <laughs> I'll think of innovative ways to conduct mm -hmm. international good. relations, like when you suggested to cut the middleman and allow businessmen to conduct their own coup d'etats PPP style. That's right. I'll make sure that internet bully Kenedict Klippenbach stays out of the conference room. <laughs> I mean, that's, that Internet does sound bully. like a quality intern. Yeah, we just lost our previous yeah. intern, Deegan, and it sounds we are in, in the market for a replacement, and oh, shit. I'm liking a, a lot right of there. what this guy's laying down. He sounds, a little <laughs> yeah. high, he sounds a little high maintenance, though, to have complained about you're not responding. You know what people are doing to um, interns these days? Uh, I don't remember his name, but Alex Morse's opponent, they put up this um, intern to basically slander him and, and all in exchange for an unpaid internship so they should be glad that you guys aren't making him do that <laughs> the thing about that which is so funny is I I don't think that kid even had an internship I think he thought that would get him an internship which oh, is so, no. so so much more pathetic I, and he was the chief strategist was of the college Dems yeah the chief strategist of the Amherst College Dems is just such a funny title. Like, talk about self-aggrandizing. Holy shit. Yeah. What are you going to do? Strategize where to hold a bake sale on campus? Go fuck yourself. 
<laughs> dude, I think that's really unfair. Because if Morse wins, that dude will be a legend. He will have thrown an election for like a what, like twelve <laughs> term establishment yeah. guy that's been around for a million years. Like he's that manipulating would be- an inside the, job. He's yeah. manipulating the predicted betting markets. He's just trying to get Morse's stocks to. Harebrained, some harebrained college dem shit. Holy cow! It's like, oh man, yeah. It's like the RNC. It's like it's like some um, antifa plot in like an underground lair that they hatched, and they're just like playing. (laughs) They've just like tricked um, uh, Ryan Grimm and the Intercept and and us and everyone, and then at the end he comes out like it's um, punked or something. He got us all, dude. They could like, I don't want to give my ideas because I don't don't trust them. But yeah, that would be really funny. Yeah, but anyway, with this new intern, they're gonna they're gonna catfish Ken, so we get some some uh, scandalous compromise yeah. that we can then. Yeah, Ken's gonna add that one on Instagram, which is apparently uh, what Morse's yeah, big offense to his was. Close friends list. Oh, oh I love sh- that line dude. of attack. Scandalous. Did you guys see? They're still running this ad where it's like he had a relationship with somebody, and there's like no sort of like allegation about like any sort of you know yeah um, leadership position over them or anything like that. And it's like they're literally running on like this guy fucks, isn't that bad? <laughs> like, Richie, vote for our guy. He hasn't had, our guy hasn't had sex in forty five years. Check this guy out. You're gonna want to vote for this guy. <laughs> like what? The only the only person he fucks is you. He takes corporate. De- <laughs> I should write yeah. ads. Let me write ads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, I've got one here, if you want to hear it. Okay. Yeah, let's go. Could be better. Five stars. As mm. a resist wine mom, I absolutely love the first part of the show. Rupert and Johan slay... It's got several A's. Uh, yeah. But then they All devolve into... Well. Yes, L caps. They devolve into this Bernie bro satire, and I just don't get it anymore. Like, slow clap, I guess. Anyway, that Krasenstein guy gets unbanned. Get that Krasenstein guy unbanned. He, does, he doesn't deserve that shade. And introduce some fun guests, like Randy Rainbow, or that drum lip sync girl. OMG, I would literally R-O-F-L. Orange Man would be so mad. That's from K-Hive Girl Boss. Thank you for the five stars. If only we could what get Sarah think? Cooper on here. I mean, that would be... That'd probably juice our okay. numbers a little bit. Comedy yeah, Titan what? on our show? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little lofty to think about Dude, that. What? Have her come on the podcast and lip sync. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> just playing, playing Trump audio, and it's like, oh, I just, I can imagine how you're yeah. lip syncing this right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. You guys um, try so hard uh, to put together a show. When you, what you could do is just read out like political cartoons and just describe them verbally. Uh, like yeah. political cartoons owning <laughs> President Trump, that would be okay, so much you better. See here, he's got a he's got a butt, a big butt. It's kind of like oversized, like compared to his regular. There's like butt. a little brown his smear. Hair. It's unclear if it's dirt or poop, <laughs> uh, but it's something he's, unbecoming he's, of the president. His hair is messy. Oh my god, his hands! His hands are tiny. You almost can't even see him. Oh boy, folks, you got to see this comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So this next one says. Didn't expect this, but I'll listen to another one. Five stars. When I heard that Rob Riggle and Jordan Peele had a podcast, not our names, um, I was so excited. While I thought it was going to be some kind of movie pod, they ended up talking uh, a lot about politics and stuff. I think they're trying to do like a monotone bummer thing. It's kind of cool, actually. (laughs) 
I'll definitely check out another episode and see where this goes. So I think this this person may have like actually mixed us up with like actors and, and Hollywood types because that's not uh yeah. Rob Riggle and Jordan Peele are like are like famous like celebrities and stuff. So I think that so. really sucks, yeah. man, that you got mistaken for that. Yeah, it happens a lot. I think. What what is a monotone bummer thing? I feel like that's kind of like a backhanded compliment. What does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. Who's monotone? This is like what was the rating? Was it five stars? Yeah, yeah. This was a Trojan horse review where they think you think you're going to be getting some, and then he gets, and then once you're halfway through reading it, he actually has a really good burn. He's negging us. The reviewers have become self-aware. He's doing p. He's doing pickup artist stuff. (laughs) Pus. Now you have to invite him on the show <laughs> so that he yeah. says that he was just he's kidding. Gonna, he's going to isolate us. Yeah. Well, shit. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm good on reviews. Thank you for the for Luke for North Dakota. Thank you. Okay. I got I, I got one more here, though. Okay. And I just wanted to read this one because this is this is legitimately disgusting. And I'm I'm not doing a bit. I am upset reading this right now. Okay. And it says, uh, great job, boys. Oh. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <clears throat> Ken, it's so nice to see you giving these boys a constructive activity. It's very cute. Come on. Them try to read understand. This one? It's oh. very cute watching them try to understand current events. It really warms my heart listening to them try their best every week to make sense of the world around them. Plus, it keeps them out of trouble. Wonderful. Thank you so much, that- Ken Clippendip, for this wonderful public service. That's Come me on. that... I'm like the red laser pointer for the cat, and just keeping them out of <laughs> keeping them out of harm's way. All right, yeah. it's not Ken's. That's just upsetting. It's not Ken's show. Ken no. is not like telling us what to do. Well, I'll just we point have this free out. thought. How do how do I slip through security every time? Have you ever thought Don't about do that? This. Mm. Don't do this again. I spent the past three four weeks in therapy talking about this. I can't keep going back to this, yeah. Ken. We're going to have to go into the support group in the no Ken zone and then the discord server after this. Jesus Christ. To deal with our Ken, our Ken related trauma. Probably notify the, the, the no Ken zone in our just discord server. Yeah. That this is, that right. this is coming in advance. So they're, they're prepared. Yeah. I got a, a Ken warning on that. Uh, okay. Well, that's enough of the reviews. It's never a fun experience for me doing this segment, but you know, I guess people enjoy it. So whatever. Um, <laughs> If you would like to send us a review, we do enjoy getting them for the most part. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, please remember to subscribe, um, if you haven't already, to theinsurgents.substack.com. Also, discontents.substack.com. That's our Substack collective that we're a part of with a bunch of wonderful uh, progressive writers and podcasters. A really great team that's coalesced around there at, at Discontents, including a Discourse blog as well, the former Splinter crew. Really, really cool um, uh, collective that's developing there at Discontents. Please subscribe to that as well. You want to, you want to kick us into the? Well, I, okay. So I guess we don't have a guest. Right? He's here, but yeah, no, he's here. Sadly. But now we're going to transition from this sort of introductory segment to the segment where we discuss the news. Uh, so we'll be back right after this. So we're back again, and it's just the three of us again. There's no, there's no one else here. It's probably kind of an awkward transition, but 
it's okay. Um, oh man. So, uh, so this is an absolutely crazy week of, uh, of news. There's a whole lot of stuff to get into. I think before getting into the, the heavier stuff about, about Kenosha and the, the uprisings that are going on in the RNC and stuff, I want to mention this NBA Wildcat strike because we've been talking about the NBA coming back lately on the show. I've talked a lot about my, my misgivings about that and also the way that I've been highly enjoying it. But yeah, this week, um, following the events in Kenosha, you had this kind of unprecedented situation where the Milwaukee Bucks just, uh, they kind of refused to play their game, their playoff game against the Orlando Magic. And it led to this whole NBA-related incident where there was kind of a an impromptu wildcat strike, depending on what how you want to see that. There was a lot of people in the media that were kind of avoiding using that kind of terminology to describe what was going on. But I mean, there's plenty of stuff to, to talk about this specific incident. What, what do you think about this, uh, Jordan? Well... I was a little reluctant to celebrate it when it started because it just didn't seem like there was a, you know, it was cool. Sure. That's always nice to see when, when athletes or people with a platform take like a, like a different type of action to draw attention to something. Um, but people I thought were kind of overzealous in their fanfare off the bat. And, you know, and then that devolved into a conversation around, Oh, you have to call it a strike. It's not a boycott, which like, okay, sure. I want to throw some, I want to like quote normalize that word and make it more common and less stigmatized. Um, but it doesn't, I don't know. It's just like, it's very easy. My first takeaway was like, okay, it's very easy for multimillionaires um, with no real outside threats to job security. Um, because, you know, you're not going to just go off the stream. Like, Hey, can you uh, dunk? Come on. Complain the NBA. It's not like that, you know. It's not like that, like like it would be at like McDonald's, where they could very easily find somebody to replace you if you aren't using, yeah. if if you aren't unionized. Um, so it's like super wealthy, super talented people just basically doing a glorified moment of silence. Um, and I thought it was like I don't know, people kind of sensationalized it, and that led to a feeling of deflation, which I think you you had also uh, witnessed and had some thoughts on. I don't want to downplay what was a really like unprecedented and historic moment. And I like, I think it was pretty incredible, especially by the players like on the bucks who were based in Wisconsin, who, you know, decided not to play this playoff game. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. And I guess for, from judging from what the conversations that took place after they hadn't really cleared that with anyone, they hadn't cleared it with the union or hadn't, they wasn't really a United front. I think they were just like frustrated and just didn't want to play the playoff game as a result. And I think that that is pretty amazing. But I think I think you're right. I think that I have a somewhat contrarian take on this as well, which is that it just seemed like after this moment, you had everyone kind of projecting their own fantasies for what they would do or what they would like to see onto this like situation that was really in flux, that was kind of spontaneous. And it was kind of a situation where it's like they're expect people are expecting these NBA players to like become like perfect communists overnight and all of a sudden, you know, refuse to play unless unless uh, certain demands are met. And while I, I understand that, and I think it would have been cool personally to see them like just put their foot down and start demanding some some real substantive uh, uh, changes, like you know arresting Breonna Taylor's killers or or doing something something big like that. But also at the same time, I understand that I, I think this was more of just like a spontaneous act of frustration uh, by these players that people were just projecting their own things onto. Mm-hmm. 
Are you saying multimillionaire um, celebrities are maybe not the best uh, representatives of uh, some kind of organized labor strike? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I don't think so. I, I again, I like. I don't want to downplay how serious it was and how unprecedented it was, and how you know it's especially for the younger players. It is a profound lesson that like, oh, we do have a ton of power <laughs> to withhold our labor in this situation and and can extract that kind of thing, but. I don't think that was ever really on the table for this incident. I do understand why people ended up being disappointed with it, how it kind of ended up turning into this kind of watered down, uh, you know, vote thing. Just like, <laughs> we're going to turn NBA arenas spread into... A, uh, spread awareness of the election. <laughs> we're here to spread awareness <laughs> yeah, exactly. of the 2020 general election. Yeah, I, I get why people, after, after projecting all their hopes and dreams onto this, were disappointed by that, especially when you include like Obama's uh, alleged... Uh, involvement in this uh, considering his long history is like of of uh snuffing out progressive movements before they happen he's really uh, good at on that. a number of occasions yeah. he is yeah he's one of the best yeah i think he literally is the best is there anyone i mean <laughs> I think, when whenever there's a yeah. close race uh say whenever like when it was bowman um running against angle like at the last minute um, they keep trotting out like Hillary Clinton and, and Nancy Pelosi endorsements and Schumer, and it never, it ne- never is able to drag it's the him case over of the finish death line. In many cases, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Obama does it; it's the reverse. It actually works, and he's able to shut these things down. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I, I get why that's really frustrating for people that were expecting this to be more. Um, yeah, and and framing it as this generic kind of vote message, it distills the idea of like police violence and police brutality and the murder of, of uh, black Americans into like a Republican versus Democrat thing when really this has been like a bipartisan thing that's that's allowed this issue to fester for decades and decades um, and f- turning it into like a Republican versus Democrat thing or a Trump versus Biden thing. I, you know, I don't think that's really a helpful framing. Um, so again, this is all to say that I understand why people were frustrated by this and disappointed when they were kind of really hoping that this was going to turn into this protracted like labor dispute and, and making it into something that I don't think it ever really was. Right. Um, I did think it was interesting to see how other leagues adopted it. Like that was, that was nice. Um, but again, yeah. like there wasn't anything sustained. There was no sustained organizing or commitment to any objective or, or even vision of an objective. It was just kind of a free flowing, thing it was like okay we're gonna do this and then we'll see what happens and now it's gone now it's done because they're gonna have voting at good loans arena or whatever td garden like i don't know it's just okay yeah. <laughs> well there is there is a situation too where it does seem like the the like higher up players in the players association and like lebron james the like main like you know all-star talent that are involved in these mm-hmm. talks did kind of roll over a little bit and, and definitely I think wanted to continue playing. So I don't think it was ever really on the table for them to really stop. Uh, and I think there are like younger players that were more into like actually doing that, but they don't have quite the leverage to, to make that happen. Well, these guys have a ton of money in general. And then specific to this wrapped up in their being able to play like, um, you know, you're signing up for disappointment if you're looking to them, um, to lead any sort of charge. And, um, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on them in particular because, I mean, they did do something and they did register like anger and disgust with it. Um, so that's good. Yeah. But, um, you know, you're, you're going to be disappointed if, if you're looking at guys who have 
Um, I don't know how much money these guys make each year uh, wrapped up in, in being able to play. Yeah, uh, sure. I think like it's re- a realistic expectation or outcome would be, okay, now normies and people who don't you know pay too close attention but who are really into sports saw that and might have, you know, you might have gotten some people on board and, and are thinking about it. Uh, sure, we were overwhelmed with people like just kind of like the Barstool crowd being like, oh, can I just uh, boycott work too? It's like, yes. Y- yes, you can. And you should. You should. Yeah. You should talk to your coworkers <laughs> about doing that. Um, yeah, so kind of like inadvertently uh, <laughs> realizing like the implications and the power that, that workers have when they unite, which I thought was interesting, kind of funny. But like, yeah. Uh, it's not like like Rob said earlier. It's not going to be this like they're not all suddenly going to be like exactly the type of communist you are. Um, <laughs> but it was. It probably woke up some yeah. suburban normie like apolitical people into thinking about this kind of stuff, which that's a good outcome. Yeah, and it's. I mean, they're still there. They still have a ton of leverage. That if there's other incidents that keep going on, or if if they don't feel like any of the like aesthetic changes they've made have like made any actual impact you know i can tell that that's frustrating for the players and i understand why that is so and i think that was one of the reasons that i thought it was a really cool thing regardless of it, whether it turned out to be something that was kind of disappointing because i've always felt like the fact that they started to integrate this kind of like forced integration of these social justice messages the black lives matter on the court the this the the slogans on the the back of their jerseys i think that stuff is like it's it's good in a way, but when it's completely devoid <laughs> of actual political action to, to make real change and it's just this purely aesthetic thing, it feels kind of like, you know, nothing is really being accomplished here. Uh, it's just this purely vapid. It's like, you know, putting murals on the ground. It's nice. Sure. It's nice to have that message be out there, but if it's not being backed up by political change, then it's completely meaningless. I feel like a lot of the players got the sense that uh, that that's true and we're frustrated by that Mm -hmm. so i think it is cool actually that they ended up doing something that was a little bit more substantial and uh yeah whether or not you're disappointed in it i think there there were kind of positive aspects to it that that we can all take away uh yeah we joked earlier in the week that like the solution is going to be just painting black lives matter on the court a second time (laughs) like it's just nothing really was going to get another one yeah yeah but the the pre-approved uh jersey slogans and i don't know just it's just such a disaster and even people like um who was the kid i think he's on boston gordon hayward had one that was like uh yeah i can't remember what it was equality or something on his back there was this really funny photo of him blocking somebody who had like i think black lives matter on the back of their jersey and it's just like white kid just jumping up and like pst, blocking a guy's uh layup and everyone was kind of clowning it i <laughs> looked up i was like i wonder what gordon hayward like actually yeah thinks and believes <laughs> him and his wife are trump donors <laughs> oh yeah he's a crypto mega guy for sure yeah. yeah yeah definitely yeah so i was always a little bit put off by that kind of forced uh you know aesthetic uh, integration that they that they put together um but yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really cool. Um, even though it was kind of disappointing, uh, I think it could lead to more things. I think definitely people around the country, around the world, it's a lesson to all of them about the power that they have if they unite with their coworkers, withhold their labor. That's a very vital lesson. And I think there's there's like younger players in the league in the NBA that are a little bit more radical in their in terms of their thinking about these issues. They definitely picked up on that message as well. So I don't think it's the last such incident we're going to see. 
So I don't think people should get too mad about about how it the kind of somewhat disappointing way it turned mm-hmm. out. Um, but the, I mean, the main catalyst for uh, the Bucks walking off the court and refusing to play and this whole, you know, NBA Wildcat strike, whatever you want to call it, was the ongoing uprisings in Kenosha. Um, and specifically the the incident uh, the other night where this 17-year-old kid, what's his name again, Kyle something? Yeah, I don't want to, sure. Okay, yeah. So this 17-year-old kid, uh, he's like a Blue Lives Matter meme kid uh, who's like an aspiring cop. He loves the loves the police. It was very important for this kid to go and protect the protect the, <laughs> the property, car, the car dealership, of, uh, Kenosha. <laughs> he's the car dealership. The car dealership. It was very vital that that it's kind of like the Alex Morse protected. kid, where it's like he's not even getting paid. It's just the thought of maybe someday being a cop and oh. and a. a protector of private property that that he's going to go out and volunteer and do it or arguably it's the thought of like i want to go to this this uh protest with an assault weapon and hopefully someone's going to give me the excuse to uh shoot them and lo and behold that's exactly what happened um and this kid ended up murdering two people and wounding another and this was like this this like incident was horrific enough in and of itself to watch the like cell phone videos of this like double murder taking place fucking terrible but the way that conservatives in the media and in politics immediately like circled the wagons around this kid and like adopted him as this like conservative hero i i i felt like that was going to happen but the speed and strength with which this this like came together i thought was like appalling it was absolutely fucking crazy i i don't know i've just been thinking about the implications of like the right wing's reaction to this for the past several days, um, and man, do I have like a bleak, <laughs> bleak outlook on life now? Because we've got a kid. Who, it's, it says nothing. No, good. Yeah. yeah, we've got a kid who was like, like you said, seventeen. He crossed state lines with a illegal firearm to walk around with it, carry it in public, which is illegal, and. Uh, someone threw a p- plastic bag at him, and he kills them, and shoots a couple people. And this all happens in front of the police, and he walks over to them, puts his hands up. They don't even bother. People are screaming. He just shot somebody. They don't care. And then they drive away, and then he goes home. He goes back to Illinois. And the right wing, eventually he was detained and charged, but he was... The right wing is just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's justified. That's fine. And it's not just like, you know, an Ian Miles Chong type person saying that. This is like a pretty common, uh, this is a pretty common talking point yeah. for a lot of people on the right, up in, in, including Tucker Carlson, who is one of the most watched people on, on cable news, has the ear of the president and various other influential Republican officials. And there is no real loud clear pushback on the right or in the republican party about what this kid did and it comes on the heels of an rnc where the mccloskeys who are only famous for pointing their guns at protesters that's it where they were given a national stage to talk about single family zoning laws which are de facto redlining 
this is the Republican Party now. This is the moment we're in, and there's just no real dissent. It's inter- It's strange to me that that uh, the media has not attributed more of these, um, you know, violent acts. In some cases, I think they can be described as terror because there's a political component. Terrorism, if you just look at the definition of it from the Justice Department, it's um, use of violence to pursue a political to advance a certain political agenda or cause. Um, that has just exploded, and um, that's what you have I hear to be Muslim from folks for that to count, federal though, law enforcement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like this guy is like, you know, the the rhetoric that he uses. It's very hard not to draw a straight line between that and um, at least a lot of these things that have been happening. And it's just uh, so. I mean, when I say you know, federal law enforcement and intelligence, they know this stuff. Uh, these guys are not liberals, uh, mo- you know, for the most part. Um, for them to, you know, raise concerns about this sort of thing, that means we've gone uh, pretty far in the wrong direction, I think. Um, you know, this is not just a sort of attitude of people on the left, um, the experts that have, actually have to work on this stuff and, you know, have some modicum of professionalism above local law enforcement. Um, they have a pretty clear eyed uh, view about this. And, and, and what you're seeing at the federal level, too, is, is an inability to respond to it. They're not being given resources to pursue uh, white supremacist or anti-government or militia violence, however you know you want to characterize it. Um, so, so yeah, the the lack of response you're seeing generally that's that's certainly um, what's what's taking place on an institutional um, um, level, at least at the federal level. Yeah. Okay. So this is one of been this has been one of the most disturbing things I think for me. Like you know, really covering the news and 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 following the what's been going on in the states and and around the world over the last few years, since I started kind of taking that a bit more seriously, um, seeing the like wave of right-wing political violence that has happened, like that, that has exploded under Donald Trump. And it's not just in the United States. I mean, it started here in Quebec, um, shortly after Trump was inaugurated, um, during that whole weekend of the Muslim ban, uh, like one of his like Can- uh, Canadian fans are in Quebec who was also a fan of like all these right-wing commentators Ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson and all these people, Gavin McInnes and all these people uh, murdered six people at a mosque in Quebec city and shot 19 other people. Um, And then you have so many other incidents in the last four years of these like right-wing anti-government, anti-immigrant people. Um, You have the incident at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. There's a, there's a Parkland was like a a MAGA MAGA hat wearing Donald Trump kid. Uh, the El Paso shooting, the Christchurch, New Zealand shooting, like these are all these like incredibly dangerous and violent uh, incidents. There's a very like coherent ideology linking all these things together. Um, so this is just an ongoing issue that's that's, continue, that's been happening all over the world. Um, and it's insane to me that that the media hasn't made more hay of this, that haven't like pointed out that, hey, I think it's it's pretty messed up that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, is like inspiring uh, mass shootings all over the place uh, <laughs> we, that we know and for this, sure this is happening. The violence isn't just against protesters either. Um, you know, there are at least two – there were law enforcement that have gotten killed by these far-right groups. Um, I mentioned this the last time I came on – or a couple times ago when I came on the show. In California, there was one of these anti-government um, guys who um, was – he was also former military. He killed um, two cops. And it's like, well, I thought that wh- where are the Blue Lives Matter guys? Like, it's like they don't, yeah. it's like they don't, it didn't register at all. No one's talking. And I mean, that's why federal, that's not only why federal law enforcement cares about this, but the impression I'm getting is that 
there's hesitancy um, to go after this stuff because first of all, you don't get resources for it. Second of all, you're going to piss off the politicals. So for example, um, the Daily Beast this week had a story about a very high ranking um, Homeland Security official who who left. And um, this person said that um, the, you know, words white supremacist terror and um, anti-government terror, these, uh, they said that these were sort of trigger words around Trump. And so they were very careful never to use those words or that language around him because he would get so, you know, angry about it whenever it was brought up. So, um, you know, we're not going to see any resources move to it. We're not even going to see them use the resources that they do have, I don't think, because you're going to get in trouble if you're um, doing something contrary to what the political appointees want you to do. Yeah, and we've had we've had plenty of conversations about political violence over the last four years, but for some reason, these like literal terrorists that are out there murdering human beings uh, and writing manifestos clearly outlining uh, why they're doing this, which is basically like you know look at look at the El Paso uh, Walmart shooter. It could have been like a fucking Tucker Carlson monologue. Uh, his his whole manifesto. But this is like never included in the conversation about political violence. And the only thing that anyone ever talks about is Antifa, the dangers of Antifa. And oh boy, they're like preventing conservative speakers talking at college campuses. They're smashing bank windows and Starbucks windows. They're like being rude to, to people. They're being rude oh. to Rand Paul when he's when he's walking down the street. This is the this is the political violence. And the talking about there's that huge meme on the right that Trump is even talking about designating them like a terrorist organization, despite the fact again that there's there's been dozens of murders across the like in the United States, here in Canada, in New Zealand, all over the place, directly related to. Uh, right-wing rhetoric coming from conservative media, coming from the president, that never gets included in the conversation about political violence. And it's just like, I, the more I see this happen, it just breaks my brain. I just don't understand like what the fucking disconnect is, that we can't talk about this like international terrorist movement that's getting people killed all over the world. Uh, and instead we're focusing on, you know, anarchists, uh, you know, smashing Wendy's, uh, burning down Wendy's or whatever. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And we've, we've just gone past the point where, where it's like, it used to be, you, you rattled off all the shootings. It was always this, no, no, he was a lone wolf. He was alone. That's not reflective of all Trump supporters and all that, you know, it's like, they always had excuses they would roll out. Oh, that's not how we all, that we're, the, you're, the, you're, this is a fringe thing. He was a by himself. He, you know, he was mentally ill. All these excuses, and this marks a turning point in that rhetoric to, oh yeah, he was justified, and now I, watch how yeah, watch good, how actually. often that gets rolled out going forward. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah, that's fine. Shouldn't have you know, shouldn't have been there. Should have gotten out of the way. Yeah, and it's certainly not dangerous at all to signal to however many millions of like uh, young right wing incels watching that they're just like, oh, I have a I have an instant path to to right wing superstardom yeah. now. Uh, if I just go to one of these protests and and start plugging uh, plugging Black Lives Matter protesters or or an, who we just who we describe as communists or antifa mm-hmm. or whatever, no one's going to hold me accountable. And uh, you know Tucker Carlson's going to be talking about how I, I I I'm a great kid who did a great thing on his widely watched uh, yep. cable news show. That's probably yeah, not dangerous. They're valorizing this kid. They're like, oh, we got to pay his bail. He's a hero. Making memes of him, just absolutely repugnant. Yeah, and it's like this also flies in the face of what gun violence prevention experts say like don't publish their name don't show their photo all that kind of stuff well they're they're doing the exact opposite they're turning this kid like you said they're turning this kid into a hero yeah Uh, i don't think that bodes too well for for the future um 
but I, I did want to keep, I wouldn't want to spend some time specifically talking about this incident as well. And some of these like bizarre right wing arguments, specifically the like self-defense thing. It's like, oh, it's self-defense. Um, you know, I had many people saying that like, oh, he, he didn't shoot that one guy until someone threw a Molotov cocktail at him. And then he did that in self-defense. And then apparently it was just setting aside the fact that no one did such a thing. And again, it was a, a actually a plastic bag that was thrown and not a Molotov cocktail. But regardless of that, then they kind of take this this view that like, well, now, you know, this guy just murdered someone at a protest and, you know, people are bravely trying to disarm this guy who just killed somebody. Um, and they're saying, no, no, it's self-defense to then just start murdering your way out of there until you get out. Now, you once once you have this this initial incident of the first shooting, now basically just murder is legal until you until you get out of there. You just shoot your way out and it's all self-defense. And it's like the, I I could not believe people that were like making this argument. Uh, and again, these were this is not like fringe 4chan weirdos. This is like mainstream conservative speakers. And that's like that's Jesus. fucking terrifying. Well, it's like you're getting the presumption of self defense that that law enforcement often does, local police, and now it's extending to essentially these paramilitary groups that have no formal affiliation with 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 any of these things. Because this is what a cop would say: they would say, "Oh, you know, I felt threatened, so therefore I had yeah. to do this." And then and now it's being extended to just some random kid that <laughs> that went to volunteer to protect someone else's property. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fortunately, there's no there's no troubling historical parallels there of you know <laughs> nope. uh, uh, private uh, militia groups working. <laughs> My knowledge only goes with, back uh, to 1950. So yeah, that checks out. Exactly, working with uh, you know agents of the state to uh, to like use even more brutal violence that that the police officers are uncomfortable using, and then you know, meanwhile they're getting high fived and getting you know water and 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 supplies, and the cops were literally like, "Hey, thanks for coming. I'm glad you guys are here." Great. Yeah. And again, this is like, like you pointed out, this is the same police department that let this kid walk right by them holding a assault weapon after murdering multiple people. It's the same police department that just shot a man seven times in the back because he possibly might have been reaching for a gun or maybe there was a knife in the car or something. And it's the same police department. It's the same justification. And it's just like, it could not be more clear the unfairness and the fucking callousness of these people and the rot in this system. But it, no one can come to an agreement that, uh, that you know, oh, yeah, this is wrong. We should, be, we should definitely condemn this. Very troubling. Yeah, and just in the face of that, this is what it just been, it's been so frustrating. Is on top of all that, you look to a coherent, um, competent, left-wing opposition and there's just an absence and instead we have biden's campaign rolling out talking points that oh well um actually donald trump is the one who wants to defund the police we want to give we want to give the the police more money and when you look at the police response in this moment in at a, at a protest uh, in opposition to how uh, Jacob Blake was treated and how the how, tr- treated and, and shot multiple times at point blank range in the back in front of his kids by the police at that protest this kid shoots and kills people and the police just drive by what how do you think how do you reach the conclusion that in that moment that's when you need to roll out the talking point that you want to give cops more money why is that the time you want to do that well, not only they're not just saying that they want to give the cops more money, they're they're lumping this 
shooter and this this in, this violent incident in with like the looting and the destruction they're saying we don't like murder we don't like the looting and they're just saying it's all bad instead of saying like hey donald trump's supporter is out there murdering people at a, at a protest and and trying to tie that together and instead they're just like no no it's like everything is all you know the rioters are bad the people that are looting and uh, uh the murderous 17 year olds that are walking around with assault rifles and killing people <laughs> all of that is bad and we're against it all we just want peace and it's like that's how is that your fucking takeaway from what just happened yeah. well yeah when i talked to um dhs people i i was sort of curious i was like oh this whole you know public debate about dhs just either dismantling it or reforming it does this make you guys nervous at all? And uniformly, the response I got was always, the Democrats aren't going to do shit. And I asked him, I was like, well, um, you know, that may be true. But I mean, this is like a debate like we've never seen before after Portland. And then they were like, they'll make some noise. A few Democrats in the House will cause headaches for us, but they're not going to cut any of the money. They think the whole thing is a joke. And that sends a message to them um, that they're free to go and do this. I mean, like, it's one thing to say, you know, I understand there are political realities and, and Biden's not going to be able to say, you know, we're going to, you know, um, uh, you know, get rid of this entire agency or anything like that. But even just threatening to cut it by 10% or something, that would send a message to them to at least say like, all right, well, you know, we're going to pose a slight cost on things if you guys are too out of hand. You won't even do that. And so the message they get is just um, impunity. You can do whatever the hell you want. We're not going to do anything. Yeah, I don't know how you how that instills confidence in, in the electorate or the Democratic base when that's just the common understanding of what Demo you know Democrats reaction is that's the expectation that's just so that's uniform nothing will change nothing will happen and they're not going to do anything and now we're seeing like quote progressive members of Congress just tweet out shit doing like a both sides thing it's like okay on the one hand you have murder uh, on the other hand you've got looting and property damage you know what I just oppose it all Hey, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe the, those human yeah. lives are a little bit more fucking important than a Dollar General's window. You know, just a thought. I don't give. I don't. I don't fucking yeah. care about big lots and the locks on big lots. Like, quit. It's just. It's insane that they're they're so fucking cowardly. Cowardly that when you have a a, a paramilitary like cosplayer gunning people down on the streets in front of the cops and the cops do nothing, it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't want to stick my neck out too far. Get the fuck out. Go resign. Go do something else. Go become a lobbyist. Like you're, you're just gonna fucking do in ten years. <laughs> yeah. Get out of the way. Yeah, and okay, so it it leads to like a broader question that that I think has been happening around these like the protests and riots, whatever you want to call them, um, from both liberals and conservatives, where it's just like everyone's talking about the riots, like it's just in a vacuum. Like we've got to, we've got to, we're against this. We can't have these riots. Um, you know, you have Tucker Carlson going on TV and being like, well, what is this kid supposed to do? The cops are just allowing this stuff to continue. So of course a 17 year old has to come in and, and take matters into his own hands. You have like fucking Andrew Sullivan saying, you know what? I, if, if liberal democracy is just leading to this kind of chaos and rioting, then I will support a fascist party who are going to do something about this. But no one's like, you're you can't talk about these riots in a vacuum without talking about what's causing the riots, which is police violence and, uh, unaccountable, uh, cops getting away with murder um that's what's causing the protest that's what's causing the riots so this idea that like oh you know i whether it's coming from trump or joe biden like i'm gonna i'm gonna like put my foot down and uh you know stop this stop this stuff well the way these protests are gonna stop is if cops stop murdering people um and well they're they're talking about you know i'm gonna I'm going to do what I can to stop these protests. What they're talking about is like more police and we're going to give them more tanks and more weapons. But 
ultimately that's just going to lead to more protests and more rioting and more violence. Um, you know, it's not, it's not protesters that are violent that are going and, and burning down Wendy's or smashing windows or fucking up car dealerships or whatever. The violence is coming from the police department in the first place. And as we've all seen multiple times over the last months, um, a lot of the times at these protests, it's the police themselves that are escalating it into a violent, uh, protest or a violent riot. They're the ones that are, uh, instigating that. So, uh, I just, that's another thing that just breaks my brain when I see these conversations happen because people are talking about these riots as if it's just happening spontaneously. They just don't, people just don't like Trump. So they're <laughs> out there rioting and completely removing the, the reason for why these things are happening in the first place and completely removing the agency of the police that are like instigating the riots in some cases or, or instigating the violence of these protests. Well, it's you not can't always... talk about the protest without talking about why they're happening. Yeah. It's not even always clear who's doing, um, you know, the violence or so um, I'm working on a story about this now. Um, what law enforcement and intelligence at the federal level understands is that um, it is a tactic of, um, you know, white supremacists and, and far right extremist groups to actually stage false flags. And they have like, um, and I know that sounds like a conspiracy word. Um, you know, in some cases it is, but um, the point of view of federal law enforcement is to wait and see what the evidence is, or at least this is what their intelligence reporting says. Um, because, they have, um, you know, verifiable, documented, documented cases over the last few months of these far right groups staging things to look like it's demonstrators or to make it look like it's Antifa. Um, so it seems crazy to me when you have um, someone like Biden just concede the entire debate and say, uh, "Yeah, yeah, uh, the left has to stop doing this." Well, hold on a second. How do we know who's doing what and what is being talked about? There's never any specifics. It's always this vague idea that the fires and the broken things and, and harm and things. And you know, when we look at the cases of, like I said before, like the two cops that were killed, that was a far right person. Um, you know, we have um, case of property destruction that were far right trying to f- frame other people. I'm not saying that, that, you know, um, protests have not engaged in that or that, um, you know, or that everything is framed necessarily, but I wish there was like a little bit more, um, caution around talking about these things and like waiting to see what the evidence is. And instead of just immediately assuming protesters did everything, because that's not even true. And aside from the, you know, far right groups, there are things called opportunistic actors. So, um, if there's a protest, Sometimes a criminal gang or something will take advantage of the police going to monitor the protests and then they'll go and steal something from somewhere else. Now, when the media picks that up, they're going to say, oh, the protesters did this, but we don't fucking know that. Like, where's the evidence? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, all of this stuff is very basic. Um, like, what none, none of what I'm saying is anything that anyone in federal law enforcement isn't, isn't familiar with. Um, but it's never captured in any of the reporting or discussion around this stuff. Yeah, I guess, I guess the frustrating thing is just, uh, like I was saying... Um, you're hearing rhetoric from both parties, literally about how, about, you know, making sure that, that this kind of stuff doesn't continue. And the only, the only solution that's being offered is like more police. Although you have the tr- you have the Trump version, which is like, we want more police to crack skulls. And then you have the kind of like Biden version with like a progressive veneer saying like, we're going to give them more money, but to do better training. So they only do, they, you know, they only shoot people in the legs and they only do the, it's very like, it's like woke police violence. Um, when really the way to dis- de-escalate the situation, you know, if you don't want to see these mass protests that are turning violent in some cases that are turning into riots, the way to de-escalate that uh, is not with more police, it's with less police. <laughs> Uh, that's the exact idea behind defunding the police in the first place, right? It's like we need to get the police out of these situations. Uh, we need to stop police violence. That's going to stop um, protests. If, if you really want protests against police violence to stop, 
you have to, uh, you know, the police have to stop being violent. Uh, but that's not being offered as a solution by either party, which is not good. It, it's It's been very fucked up. And again, like we were saying, it leads nowhere good. Um, the, the collaboration between the police and these, these militia groups, the way uh, conservative media is lionizing uh, uh, that kind of violence and the way liberal media is like uh, downplaying the, the threat of far-right violence, which we've talked about, has been escalating over the last years. Um, you know, none of that, none of that is leading anywhere good. And in fact, it's leading to this situation in November that looks like it's going to be a clusterfuck, um, with no clear outcome. And I got to say, it's, it's scary because it feels like the potential for more protesting and thus more police violence and more, uh, extrajudicial violence is growing as well. So it's kind of a scary situation for America. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I see a lot of people posting shit it's like now is the time where shit's getting real and all this kind of stuff and it's like i don't know i don't i don't i don't subscribe to to that and i would urge people to take a second before you buy into it as well because it's just violence begets violence and it's just you're not going to get your intended outcome with it and i think people it's a lot of people it's very easy for them to tweet shit it's like we got to arm ourselves and it's like yeah i don't i don't think that's necessarily the best thing for people to be doing because i just i they're not gonna treat you i don't know i don't know i i, I just I, it's, it's tough it's tough well, to think about to the- it's tough to because it's just going to get really really fucking ugly i'm sorry that some fucking uh i don't know 19 year old kid uh just on twitter uh claims that now is the time to buy guns uh i'm i'm, I'm not i'm not there <laughs> and i'm t- i just i i just it's going to get extremely yeah. fucking ugly and I, I don't know. I, I, I don't buy into this fucking edgelord bullshit. I, I understand the inclination to want to, like, defend yourself when you feel like there's this this very real threat of, of armed violence from the right. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I understand why people would say, like, well, if they're armed, then I feel like I should be, too. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like that's a that's a fucking scary situation. And I'm not sure that that's a fight that is going to go well for like people on the left uh, because there's people on the right that are that have been waiting for exactly that kind of a situation to arise for a long time uh, and are very well stocked up and prepared for something like that. And uh, when you see the way that the police and the state uh, will side with the right every single time in these situations, you know, uh, I just I'm not sure if I see that leading anywhere good for anybody. Yeah. But I, again, I understand the inclination. It's it's a scary situation, and and uh, you know, I I don't know, I don't know, what, I don't know what I would do. It's it's fucking weird. What what do you think about? Because uh, we were kind of joking about the RNC earlier uh, and the whole Trump speech and everything like that. But I guess the kind of last thing we can get into here uh, before we before we sign off is just uh, what I was wondering about uh, from you guys is this strategy of Trump's to frame the the protests and the the social unrest and all this stuff and to 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 try and turn it into like this is what joe biden's america is going to look like um when it's quite literally donald trump's america right now um it's similar to we talked about it a couple times on the show um in the uk 
at this when coronavirus was kind of really uh, becoming a serious issue and there was there were shortages and stuff and there was like concert it was shortly after the election there and there was British conservatives saying like this is what Jeremy Corbyn's UK would have been like when it's literally <laughs> like it's it's it's, you know, it's, Boris, it's someone else is the prime minister is right now at this moment um, so it's this kind of similar thing um, so like do you think you guys think that's going to work I mean I, I'm sure that there's a constituency out there that believes sure, that that is that Joe Biden is Antifa or whatever uh, and that he's that's going to continue but I think a lot of a lot of people are probably like well I don't know if that's convincing to them like do you think that that weird strategy is going to work well I saw this poll that makes me think of this um, that found that 80% of um, Republicans who had self-identified Republicans who had lost their jobs during the um, epidemic um, th- believe that the country, that things are better now than they were four years ago. And that is a <laughs> testament to <laughs> how effective uh, propaganda is. Um, you know, if, if everything that's being beamed into your head is either, you know, Hannity or, or uh, Fox or I don't know, Breitbart or whatever it is, you start to trust that version of reality over the thing that you can see firsthand. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, you know, it's a little biased because if you're still a self-identified Republican at that point, you know, that says something. But um, but, but I think it also is true that like um, we shouldn't just do what the Biden campaign is doing, uh, which is just rely on the awful conditions to just kind of push Trump out because um, – you know, there's such a thing as, as propaganda that can induce people to think that the conditions are different than, than what they really are. No, I'm pessimistic. I don't think anything is going to work. <laughs> I just, I think I, I don't know. I, I don't, I haven't seen anything that really makes me feel confident for the future. I just, I really, really skeptical. Like, I, I, I don't know that the, can't, the Biden campaign really knows how to win or has a path to victory. And when we see declining margins, in so many different key states shrinking by 50 percent or more uh now to a single you know low single digit difference between the two candidates at a time when so many people are suffering in so many different ways how you are still unable to clearly distinguish yourself and show to people that you are the better alternative that's really troubling. That's really worrisome. And because of that, I think that things, if, if he does lose, if Biden does lose, things are going to get so much worse. Yeah, I think that's that's my feeling is just that I think Trump blaming like all the chaos and, and everything that's going on and, on and saying that's going to be Joe Biden's America. I think that's kind of ridiculous. But I also think like the Democratic Party are not really doing themselves any favors by like not articulating clear policies that are going to like help get people out of this situation and instead just kind of relying on on the orange man bad stuff to uh bring this thing home and like we were pointing out last week just like pitching their whole campaign at never trump conservatives um and and gleefully uh shitting on everyone to their left who, who like thought maybe that the country could be something a bit better uh for the last six months uh, I don't know. I don't think I don't think that's the. I've been leery of that strategy from the beginning, and now I'm really worried that it's not going to work. It's like a sports team that you know they've 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 got the better score, and they're just going to run out the clock at this point. 
And uh, the hope is that the polling that we have now is going to be frozen like a mosquito in amber. And that's not going to change between now and in November because, um, you know, the polling does look pretty good for Biden at this point in time. But like if we've learned anything from 2020, it's that things can change very dramatically and very quickly, you know. And, you know, they've got so some I bullshit would... October surprise thing coming uh, in October. Right. Maybe exactly. some more stimulus checks, like right before the election, like you know, or or DH or what they're going to do with DHS, or God forbid the military. I mean, these are huge variables that you have to that the polling is not going to be able to account for. Um, but unfortunately, you know, Democrats are the most like wonk-brained people, so they're like, well, our complicated social science uh, metrics tell us this, and it's just. It's not that I'm saying the polling is cocked or lying or anything. It's just really hard to anticipate what's going to happen on a good day. And 2020 has not been a good day. 2020 has been a very volatile year. Yes, to say the least. Um, Yeah, I think I had about two weeks where I was like pretty confident that Biden was going to win. And now that's just completely evaporated. Uh, And yeah, I, I, I find myself thinking a lot about 2004. And the parallels between uh, uh, the Kerry, the, like the the John Kerry versus George Bush election, that was like the first American election I really followed very closely, and it was a lot of the same thing. Just like, well, how? Of course, Bush is not going to win. The Iraq War is like a disaster. It's super unpopular. Clearly, uh, clearly, he's going to lose, and people are going to reject that. And I think I found myself thinking the same thing. It's just like, well, look at all the fucking chaos. Look at the ways that Trump has mismanaged this crisis. Look at all these various different crises that are ongoing right now under his watch. Surely, like, no, no one in that situation is going gonna, is gonna to get reelected. Uh, but, like, you have to kind of, when you talk about American elections, you're going to have to turn off that logic circuit in your brain uh, that thinks that there's going to be some direct one-to-one comparison between someone who has fucked up immeasurably uh, and gotten hundreds of thousands of people killed with uh, then losing an election. That's, that's not necessarily the way it works. Uh, it was a very rude awakening in 2004 when, when George Bush was reelected. And uh, I, I think people are very, very comfortable in the sort of liberal establishment of where they're at right now with their whole strategy of 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 uh, completely disenfranchising the left and uh, and appealing to these uh, never Trump types who they they've told us repeatedly is this big constituency. Uh, so I don't know. I've started to get kind of an ugly feeling flashbacks to to oh uh, four and uh, not feeling super confident that. Um, that Biden's going to win this thing. I'd be happy to be wrong. I mean, I don't like Biden. I don't like their campaign. I don't like their whole strategy. I, I do want to see Trump lose. So I would be glad if, if I was wrong about this uh, and, and Trump did lose, but I'm starting to have a very bad feeling about what's going to happen. I think America's greatest days <laughs> <is> I had. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Well, Ken, where can people find your work? Um, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Ken Klippenstein. Um, and I write for The Nation. Just go to thenation.com. And uh, I guess if you just Google my name in The Nation, awesome. it'll come up. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Everyone man. knows where they can find Ken. Yeah, but come I still on. want to give him the same treatment. <laughs> same, the same shout-outs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's necking me. He's <laughs> yeah, He didn't exactly. like getting necked, and so I used to take it out on me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How do you spell your last name, Ken? <laughs> you're not you're not one of the more famous Kens. I'll put it that way. Yeah. So let's I believe let's it's Klippenstein that's pronounced. Article dis- Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> well thanks for joining us ken thanks for listening everybody uh we'll we, we will be back soon but uh that's all we will we're going to be going now so goodbye bye-bye 
Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban. So please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye.